Welcome back to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about each person's vocation and career path. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard to submit a resume that often contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that's not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. So let's continue with part two of our interview. Some of the points that you hit, you know, I, I know uh, I hear myself in my own head going like, oh, I want to know more about that. Or like, that's fascinating or something like that. And we all have these points in our lives where we just kind of gloss over them in a way, which, which are a little more significant to, to other people, I guess, than we even think they are. So for example, uh, you talked about the credo. Uh, that J&J had, and then you created a credo for your own classroom now. Um, could you just very quickly summarize the J&J credo and then what yours looks like in your classroom so so people have an idea of what, what that's really about? What does it mean? Well, uh, certainly uh, Johnson & Johnson's credo gets to the community, making sure that the community and its, cu- uh, its customers are at, at the center of everything and that there's an ethical responsibility to their community and and that when they follow this credo that um, um, they're, you're doing your duty not only to the company J&J but to the community and I, and I wanted to make that connection with the kids as well that when you learn these skills in my shop and uh, you have the opportunity to apply them to make things better. And so uh, you have a higher purpose. You're just not learning these skills uh, to, to, to make more money. You're learning these skills so that you and your family can have a stable life because you have a career, that you are providing products that are of high quality. And, 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 and so, so I, I liked I liked what they had to do, and I remember one of the executives telling me point blank that they hire and fire people based on their credo, and I just thought that was so powerful that that even today, you know, that's what they do. And and when it when it when they had to take was it Tylenol off yeah. the was that one of yeah. their products? Yeah. yeah. They 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 had to make that decision. They were going back to the credo that they have an oppor- you know, an obligation to the community. So, so uh, you know, so I, I I used that credo and and made it work with what I wanted to see the kids achieve, and make them aware that they not only have a responsibility to themselves but to the community and to their family, uh, to. Uh, you know, to do this in, in good faith and, and have a career where you can in turn give back to the community. It's a very important thing to live by. And, and obviously what we're trying to prepare students for, the opportunities that are out there, uh, it's just not about a paycheck. It's just not about, oh, you could do this and, and get money or make company money or, you know, profits and for shareholders and things like that which obviously is all part of the picture. You know, we all want to make money. We want to have a good life. We, you know, companies invest in certain things in order to make money. And that's, that's absolutely fine. But more importantly, a lot of times is about, well, how does it help others? How does it create a better family? How does it create a better community? How does it improve people's lives in, in many different ways? So, uh, you know, even even when you talked about the, the military and working for that, too, obviously, you've, there are certain things we can look at in certain aspects and, and maybe some people will have a different viewpoint. Uh, but you can certainly look at this and say, you know, if, if you know, we can certainly save lives with a lot of these things, right. we make things more efficient and do whatever. So maybe, you know, some things that some people look at, you know, are, are not so good and other people would certainly... No, no, there actually is, you know, some good to come out of this and, and people are going to be okay in, in various ways. But if we take that attitude of helping the community, helping others, helping families, 
uh, and really getting that across, you know, to to workers that we train and students that we teach. Uh, it's it's obviously a very big point that you picked up along the way, and 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 you're teaching that. You have a credo in your classroom. You're you're teaching the students that, and they understand that now. So I'm sure that they take that forward in their careers and their lives. And it's like that uh, that old commercial, like, you know, where I tell two friends and they tell two friends, and and hopefully that that pays it forward. Uh, so it really does affect positive change uh, to our world and community at large. So right. that's good. And, you know, I, I want to add that that credo also brings front and center that most successful companies have come to realize that it's about culture. Mm. How do you create that culture, instill that culture of continuous process improvement, of total quality management, of applying lean? And so, you know, it, it, some companies never get there. It can be very amorphous. <laughs> and so, you know, I pulled that into into the, the room because I saw that as a way of me framing the culture in the classroom and that, that I was trying to emulate. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and that, that's a good thing to do. I think that that applies to many things, including ourselves, um, you know, climate and culture and, and continuous improvement. And whether you're looking at the manufacturing line and saying, how do we make this more efficient and get it done? Um, but how do we help ourselves? How do I go on and, and should I get an MBA right now? And should I continue my work? Should I go to another company where I, I, I can apply my skills better? And you end up at Osteotech here as your next step and you're working on something a little bit different. It's still in the medical field and all that too. I have another connection to you on that one as well. I think we spoke about this before. I was actually um, dating a person. Uh, she worked there for a number of years and I was I was shocked and fascinated when she told me what she did. Um, not necessarily her day-to-day -day job, but the products that, that, you know, that company in particular was working on. And I, I, I just had no idea that, you know, you can actually take, uh, various uh, resources, uh, one of which being bone from cadavers and, and things like that, and kind of crush it up and make it into a paste. And, and when people have surgery, you know, they drill into to people's bones and their skulls and their legs and whatever else that you can create um, a method that they could help patients recover and and grow bone back uh, and yeah. things like that, too. That was just it's a fascinating concept to me. You summarized it perfectly. And, uh, you know, later on, they would bring the recipients together with the families of the donor and uh, not a dry eye in the, in the in the place it was just so powerful uh and uh it was a thrilling place to work i was uh made process engineering manager i was uh, given the task of creating my own staff uh within the first three weeks there they had a major packaging failure of, of something that they were counting on to package a new product I got thrown in the mix, and here I was. I had to work that. Uh, picture, can you picture me going into the FedEx trucks with temperature monitoring and trying to find out what was going on? I, I was later able to work the, the, with a consultant on the team mm. and, and got a patent. In uh, was able to get a, awarded a patent for uh, their uh, their package, their tray package, which was just very cool stuff. Um, I hired an industrial engineer, I had a chemical engineer, I had a mechanical engineer. And you know what's funny, Sean, is in my search, there was no way I was going to find anybody who had tissue engineering experience. They just yeah. didn't exist. Yeah. And I remember talking to this fellow, Dave, who I eventually hired, and he was doing all sorts of CNC work uh, on jewelry on this big, uh, big uh, company in, I think, Newark, New Jersey. And I said, send me your prints. I want to see the work you're doing. And, and when I saw what he was doing with CNC to make all these different jewelry rings, I said, this guy's got it. He has what I'm looking for. And so we invited him down for an interview. And, and so I was able to build a staff there. And then during, uh, uh, I think I did 12 years there, 12 or, or another 14, I think, with Osteotech. Uh, eventually, uh, they asked me to head up, with the support of an outside consultant, a total 
process improvement effort in the whole building in this beauty and 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 actually we uh a big part of the project was we were transitioning from all these little small clean rooms and moving to a new building and the opportunity for me to to improve the process and take it to a whole nother level was there for me to grab and we did things with clean room technology where we remote remotely took apart and put all our motors on the dirty side on the non-clean room side to help preventive maintenance and it just it just reduced all the noise in our process, which we were getting contamination and, and different hits for environmental. It, it was just a tremendous improvement. Um, and so I had an exciting time there. And, and, and then eventually the uh, executives all left. They had had their time and decided to retire, and they sold it to <clears> – <throat> uh, they, they brought in a whole new executive team. And it was rumored early on that they just wanted to sort of finish out and and sell us. And I didn't want to believe that, you know, the eternal optimist. Uh, but eventually, they uh, would uh, I under they were underwent a layoff and sold us to Metronics. <clears throat> I was part of that layoff, and so there there I was at another crossroads. Um, and like anybody's in that situation, as I tell folks, you know, you want to see a, a grown man or woman cry or get the shakes, the prospect of not being able to pay for your mortgage is an incredible, incredible weight. And so I was very fortunate because within three months, I was back on my feet and, mm -hmm. and hired. Um, and... Uh, so I only had to pay Cobra for that short time. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, but the thing is during that three months, Sean, I said, I'm going to go out and get myself the green belt training, uh, through Rutgers Lockheed Martin. It was being offered. I'm going to not just sit here. You know, I was doing all the right things. I was redoing my resume. I was sending out letters and all that. And, and, uh, but during that three months, I went and got a certification as a green belt in Lean Six Sigma, and 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 to me that helped me get my next job and all and all my future jobs. It just was like the icing on the cake to have that cert. And if I ever talk to people who are undergoing uh, or have a, they don't have a job or they lost their job, you know, I'm definitely a proponent of going out and looking at yourself and saying, who am I? What is my greatest skill that I'm bringing to the table. And I, I was able, I, I said to myself, it's about process improvement, continuous improvement. That's who I am. And the green belt lean six Sigma cert was, was for me. And so that, that brings you closer to my, we're getting closer to where I start to go to teaching. But, uh, <laughs> All right, sir, just real think, quick, just just for the benefit of others right now, you know, they, they, some of these terms are out there and they're floating and we, we, we acknowledge them, we use them as part of our vocabulary. Uh, you know, it's kind of like me at this point talking about the, the CTE and, the, and DOE and, and everything else, right, kind of like right. in military terms. Um, <laughs> but Lean Six Sigma, you know, certainly is a, one of those terms that's out there it's obviously certification and widely used throughout uh, corporate american manufacturing things like that too and then it kind of goes deeper into that you talked about a green belt i know there's a yellow belt and there's you know some some black belts out there and all i know is karate all right so <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm how do we equate this what's a what's a, a brief summary of what lean six sigma is and what's the difference with what's a green belt so uh lean six sigma is all about improving processes, whether it be business, transaction, manufacturing. And it provides you with tools, tools to make processes more efficient, tools to eliminate waste or muda, as they say, using the Japanese term. And the green belt focuses more heavily on the lean tools, these tools such as Pareto chart, fish uh, uh, root cause analysis, uh, 
how to organize the workplace efficiently using the six X six S principles. And that the green belt focuses there, gets into some of the statistics. The black belt takes it to a whole nother level. The black belt provides an applied learn, applied approaches using statistics to design experimentation to understand which factors are more influential on the process so that you can attack, improve uh, those steps. So the black belt is, is more statistical um, and the green belt is more applied skills and perspectives offered from Pareto charts to how to organize a workplace to one piece flow. Um, and so that's the different difference. And, okay. Good. You know, no, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to cut you off here, but maybe we can no, kind of go, go into this, this other piece here, which related, sure. uh, which I think you're going to go to next, but, but I'll frame it in this way. Um, oftentimes in education in the curriculum, um, we kind of get, you know, we try to align things to post-secondary and, and moving on to pathway and all that, uh, where I sometimes have to, um, talk to people about curriculum and about keeping things within realistic terms uh, you know, we often want to get to that higher level and we have curriculum, you know, I can, I can think about a supply chain management curriculum that's teaching about mining diamonds in, um, the continent of Africa and how do you get from here to there and, and get things back and mining ethically and all this other stuff. Uh, and my mind goes to like, I, wait a minute, you know, you're going to graduate high school. What's the next step? Are you really going to be in charge of, you know, are we mining ethically in Africa? And it's a great concept to talk about, and we should all acknowledge these things, and it's wonderful. But how do we keep this realistic in a way that, you know, I can apply it? So obviously we wouldn't teach uh, green belt or black belt necessarily to a high school student, but there's this other thing called a yellow belt. So the difference that being um, a little bit more applied to kind of the, you know, your first years in the field, correct? That's that's right. The, the yellow belt is a little lighter, and it, it focuses on the basic concepts to analyze and improve a process and organize a process. And it provides the terminology, you know, and the 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 history of uh, how uh, uh, Lean Six Sigma uh, came to be uh, as ushered uh, through the Japan and and from the great uh, quality. Uh, minds that were from the u.s mm. so you can actually see someone in their their early years of working in the field regardless of what it is actually using the concepts they learn in in this kind of thing like a yellow belt oh yeah they're, and and they're very powerful you know remember i said i started with the total quality management tqm as it was called down the road after toyota listened to um, the great quality folks of the U.S. totally transformed their manufacturing process. And from their energy and creative energy to, and to create terminology uh, uh, such as uh, waste or muda um, and, and so on and so forth, um, they, um, they repackaged, let's say they repackaged, the total quality management movement started it. But now they repackaged it, if you will, in a holistic way that, under the Lean Six Sigma umbrella. The concept that every process, you know, you can assess, you know, the sigma levels. That is the variation of a process. You can understand it. You can, you can, you can track it. You can show you're getting better or you can show when you're in control and show when you're out of control. So these concepts uh, all got rolled into Lean Six Sigma, which... I see as the supreme one and only uh, umbrella of how to improve processes, the qual uh, quality of processes. Good. It's, you know, it's evolved. And <clears throat> all right. You know, so, uh, uh, go ahead. Well, I don't wonder if you want to know all the dirty details. I mean, it was about this time after mm -hmm. that layoff that I started thinking more seriously about uh, – a plan B, as I refer to it, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to be, I, I didn't, it left a bad taste in my mouth after everything that I had done, you know, uh, with the company, um, that, 
uh, you know, uh, I was, uh, you know, laid off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, I'm never going to be in this position again. I'm never going to be in this position again. Uh, and certainly I had, I, I had, I was always responsible for others. I always had, a, you know, a staff, you know, through most of my career. And, and I was thinking a lot about, you know, my engineer's eyes and I would laugh about one day I'm going to come back as an individual performer where I worry about myself only. Now, certainly I worry about my kids, but from the standpoint of, uh, yeah, so from, from, so, um, so that started to get me to, to, to move, dust off some of the papers, uh, that I had done through the Department of Education, the licensure, mm. licensing department. Yep. And B.B. Locke, why do I mention that name? Because I had worked with her, and little did I know that when I started to dust things off and, and go for the, uh, uh, the 24-hour course that was required and these other things, I had to get back in touch with a life, the licensing department. And when they saw my copious notes that I sent them, and they said, you worked with ZB, Z, um, B.B. Locke? Yeah. And I said, yeah. She, they said, she, she is considered like the father, mother of all licensing. If she said you were good, you're good. <laughs> and so, so uh, you know, I've started to work yeah. that behind the scenes. Um, and I, I was starting to seriously consider going into the teaching field at that point. Okay, good. So, so that's taking your your ideas over and your your future plans and and whatnot. That was your your most likely goal, or or you're still concentrated right now on on where you're at and what you're doing. Well, I was doing both, and I guess that's a story of my life. <laughs> Actively working the teaching uh, degree, uh, the requirements. And and work and 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 I have got a, a, a job at an electronics company in uh, Eatontown, mm-hmm. um, and things were going well. I was really made. A, I was in charge of production, which was so much fun for me, Sean. I didn't own engineering; I owned all the operators. So when the engineers would give me a little bit of a line of, uh, you know, no, there's no problems over there, I'd uh, take them over do a few things and show them the errors of their ways and get them back on track to help me make the process more efficient. It was, it was really fun for me to be totally, uh, uh, in, you know, in charge of like 500 employees at that point. Um, dirty details. The day I hired in, the person who hired me quit. (laughs) And so I was like, Oh no, you know, and I knew the company, you know, it wasn't exactly the biggest company in the world. It was Cooper Electronics. And uh, uh, I, I just had a sense that this might not be a long time for me here. And uh, it led me to, uh, uh, I, I, after a couple of years, I missed the complexity and the paramount quality that medical devices and aerospace uh, warrants. And so I moved on to... Um, to um, into uh, uh, human skin through uh, Integra Life Sciences out in Plainsboro, and uh, and and uh, I put a couple of years in there, and and then I decided I was going to move on to teaching. So I'll pause there in case you have any questions. Uh, well, no, again, I, it was I, tissue. Yeah, no, that, that that's fascinating. So what, the question I have here is you made the, the idea to go on to teaching and, and you're working, you have a lifetime of experience, a good career going of, uh, you know, it's fascinating stuff and, and making this stuff more efficient and, and all that. Um, so so what's your idea now of, of not only just teaching, but teaching what? What, what exactly are you thinking of teaching? And, Right. Well, uh, to use a phrase, I guess you could say all of a sudden my head and my heart are starting to align more. You know, the, the creativeness and enjoyment of teaching was becoming more central in my thought process about what I wanted to do next. Um, and uh, 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 what was your question again? So, so specifically teaching, you know, again, I go back to what I said previously. Right. There's a lot of people who think about teachers and go, 
Well, yeah, I'm math teacher and science teacher and, and English teacher. Oh, right, um, right. I know you have some a degree now and, and some training in technology education, but mm. when you mention the word teacher to most people out on the street, that's what they think about. You know, that 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 female, occasionally male teacher that, that's, you know, it's got chalk in their hand, they're teaching, uh, you know, long division math now, new math, all that. Um but obviously, you and I know it's it's a whole lot more extensive than that, and there's many many things that are being taught. So in your head right now, to become a teacher, what are you thinking about? Like, what kind of teaching? What what what? Where do you envision yourself in front of what age students and teaching what kind of you know concepts? Right. Well, you know, so my only reference point was the the the, the technology education. Uh, cert that I I received and and so I, I may was probably asking the same questions you are uh, about myself of what am I going to teach, um, and uh, it was a big decision for me and I, one that I spoke with my wife about and you know concluded that she supported me on the idea that you know I wanted to teach I, it was time I, I I I felt like I wanted to move into something. Uh, uh, more focused, let's say, um, on, on the love side of things, if you will, of giving back to the community. And it led me to my first job. And I think it, it, I worked at a, I, I was hired by a charter high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did uh, four years in Perth Amboy Academy of Urban, of Urban Leadership. And they called on me to do everything. And, you know, from uh, everything about from uh, hardware and software, computers, Windows, uh, Gmail, to creating an engineering course uh, on a shoestring, really. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, creating an engineering class. I also taught uh, graphic arts, and, and uh, which was exciting. Yep. Uh, I had a VEX robotic uh, class, robotics class. And my engineering class was the one I, I enjoyed the most because I had to create everything from scratch that we would talk about. And I wanted to give kids an experience, you know, where they could experience the different different engineering disciplines. And I wanted to give very much for them to experience project, project management, project leadership. So I was enjoying all of that. Uh, you know, how I was the one to get graphic arts, you know, you know what, Sean, I, I didn't want to bring this up, but way back in grammar school, I don't know how, but they voted me most creative. And I was always like fascinated, but unbelieving because there were kids in my class who were drawing pictures and cartoons and horses. And I was like, I don't know how they picked me as that. Yeah. Uh, I know I was, uh, you know, you know, I'm into music and lyric writing and this poetry, this and that. So I had some of that going on. But uh, in this new job at Academy of Urban Leadership, and it allowed me to be totally creative. Uh, they gave me carte blanche. We want, and one at one point, the the, the uh, principal said, "Steve, how would you feel about teaching a course about logic?" And and so uh, you know, it, it so it was very wide open, very creative, very up to me on how to achieve this. Uh, and then that led me to Middlesex County Votech. Okay, but before we proceed on to there real quick, uh, I'm, I'm curious, you know, and I, I totally appreciate the creative side. I, I can absolutely relate when I was given the uh, responsibility to teach uh, TV and video productions and photography. So, you know, as technical as those elements can be, um, there was a whole different creative side that goes, wow, this is fun. So let's talk about yeah. the non-fun side just for a moment. And, and during those four years at the academy that um, you've got lesson plans to write, you've got tests and quizzes to create and give, you've got grading to do, you've got communication with uh, an administrator or more with parents. Um, and making sure that students learn. So, so right. tell me a little bit about the transition and the and the development there within those four years of you 
getting down those elements of the maybe not so fun side of teaching. Right. Well, again, because of my degree in industrial engineering and experience, you know, I, I appreciate the entire process and understand that we have to know who our customers are. And certainly the parents were a big part of success and, and part of the dialogue. I never, Sean, in all my years have ever had a bad, negative conversation with a parent. The parents were extremely supportive of me as a teacher. And if I indicated that uh, their son was doing this, bam, in front of me, they would say, is that what you're doing? You're, you know, and they would, you know, uh, and so I've always had positive reinforcing uh reinforcing conversations with teachers. I, I, I found it quite easy and natural, uh, not to mention, Sean, uh, most of the, the, the parents were either my age or younger, so I felt an instant rapport with them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, so dealing with the parents was a time where we could uh, show off what their kids are doing, give them some honest feedback of how they're doing, show them some of the projects. Very cool, very reinforcing, you know, of, of the relevancy. You know, they, the parents hold teachers in such high regard. They had a lot of respect and uh, an encouragement for what teachers do. And so you could feel that in every conversation. So I found it quite, to move into these things quite seamlessly. Mm -hmm. uh, with regards to lesson plans and things like that, you know, you know, pretty much, you know, begin with the end in mind. You know, uh, what are students going to be able to do after they, they, they complete your lesson? I, I had no really hard time understanding that because as engineers, we always have to think about what is that future spot what is the end game what's when's the project or this part of the project complete so uh i found it kind of refreshing i didn't know uh teachers uh, uh perhaps did it or had a methodology for it uh you know um um you know sometimes they have some buzzwords like backwards learning you know think about the the end in mind so i found it quite uh interesting, enjoyable, and uh, not, not, not out of the ordinary from what I was used to doing and accomplishing and being accountable for in, in my engineering world. Um, yeah, um, see, let's see, other, if there were difficulties, you know what, you know what, Sean, um, you made me think of something, which I was again looking for applied projects. So in my engineering course, I work with the uh, facilities slash accounting person, and he had a vision to want to renovate the teacher's lounge. Mm. And we had the students define, measure, pick out the colors, pick out the tiles, and watch it through its implementation phase. And so, again, that was part of the fire, just saying, oh, this is for me, this is like great. You know, you, know, you, you need to, even though we were on a shoestring budget, you could still find ways to connect the students with, with uh, a real-life experience. Great. Great. Yeah, that's something I think you and I talk about often. You know, yeah. so so let's talk about that piece now. So now you you've been at the academy for you know your four years. Uh, how do you how do you get to Middlesex County Vocational and Technical Schools? You know, uh, Sean, I'm, I'm I'm really dedicated. I, I didn't want to leave AUL. I really didn't. Uh, I was enjoying it. Uh, it was small. It was uh, very creative. And if it wasn't for a uh, retired principal who was on staff, a conversation I had with him because he knew that we were about to undergo some changes in leadership uh, at the top. And, and I told him, I said, yeah, I have my resume out, but, you know, I saw something at the Votech and, you know, who wants to work at a Votech? And he goes, whoa, wait a second. You, you don't know what the Votech is. You, you, you are some very uh, uh, big opportunities on what you can accomplish at the vocational schools. And so with that little bit of nudging, mm. I said, all right, I'm going to send my resume in. 
which eventually landed on your laps and, and others. And uh, I remember as soon as I walked into the room, the first question that everybody hit me between the eyes with was, um, if you had a room of, let's say, 2,000-plus square feet and could put anything in it, what would you do? And I was just smiling inside like, wow, this is the job for me because it's about building this new process. It's at the ground zero where we're going to create this process and create this room with all this equipment. And I enjoyed giving you my perspective, giving the group my perspective on what I thought could be in that room to reflect all the different industries. Yeah. And I, I, it was like, it's like when the E string is in tune on the guitar and it vibrates, I was just had such a positive feeling from that moment on saying, wow, this, this is going to be exciting because I never knew what a vocational school had or had to offer. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I had that question, I was like, wow, this is, this is huge. This is a huge creative opportunity and, and, and a huge responsibility. And I, I was just, uh, you know, overwhelmed with the, p- the potential. Great, great. Because I, you know, it's, a, it's been a wonderful on our end to have you here. I, you're fascinating to talk to. So you are teaching what we call pre-engineering manufacturing technology. You were hired. Uh, you had an amazing interview. You have an incredible resume. You have um, what can amount to is essentially already as, as, as a lifetime, a career of tremendous experience in the field. And um, the vocational school, what was, was the, the modern name now of being a career in technical education, we all changed names and, and ideas and things like that, too. Uh, some of the leftover ideology or things that people think about when they hear vocational school, eh, it's that old metal shop, that wood shop, that, that, that things that those other kids go to kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and there's still a lot of traditional programs. We still have welding, and it's an amazing field that mm-hmm. people are getting paid high money in. Auto mechanics. I right. went I went uh, to Somerset County Vocational School myself for auto mechanics. But, you know, it's just there's modern cars. People are still driving, and, you know, we still need mechanics and things like that, too. Uh, but now we, we branch off and, and keep developing. Program development is a huge piece of career and tech ed. Um, and we developed, with your help, this whole pre-engineering manufacturing technology program and you brought in a lot of good pieces and you're teaching so many things so in your mind right now i mean just just give us a brief overview of of how relevant is this program to our students of today uh and to employability skills and whatever their pathway is whether it's directly into employment or through post-secondary skills yeah, it, it is so overwhelmingly pointing, pointing in the right direction and providing opportunities and path, multiple pathways for our students. Uh, it's an incredible room with, uh, an, uh, with a, a wide variety of different disciplines represented. Uh, summarized as mechatronics, mechanical, electrical, software. We have uh, everything from robotic arms to a flexible manufacturing system that's automated to CNC, compu- computer numerical controlled equipment, 3D printing, and so on and so forth. Students get the basic of electri- basics of, of electricity. They get basics of programming, such as using uh, ladder logic and programming uh, using programmable ladder uh, uh, logic controller. Uh, they learn even... Uh, process flow, a fluid-based system, is very akin to what they might see in the biologic world or in pharmaceutical. They get into fluid power, air, water, and hydraulics, pneumatics in in the room. We have over 30 trainers, over uh, 10 different softwares. And if when parents come into the room and students come into the room and employers come into the room, their jaws usually drop. First of all, the parents and employers lament and said, if I only had this when I was there at their age, mm-hmm. number one. Number two, uh, the employers just look and go, this is everything, everything 
I have in my shop. Uh, everything we have at our, our company is, is represented in this room. Every skill set uh, that we're looking for uh, is in this room. And so the students come to me, and uh, when you look at, you know I have a board set up, and I track the kids from ninth grade through 12th grade, because we have them for four years, mm-hmm. and you see that their purpose, the what they're going to do after high school perspective is is also growing as they spend time in the room and, and learn and apply all the tools. And you'll see on that board such a wide variety of pathways being represented being represented through the senior year. So for example, I have a couple of students that have gone right to work right out of high school. Yeah. One's working at one of the largest uh, fillers of uh, syringe, st- sterile f- syringes right here in Neptune. Uh-huh. Another's working for software solution company right out of high school. Base pay, 50, 55,000. With overtime, these kids are making 70, 75,000 right out of high wow. school. Wow. Yeah, and they have the, per- the benefits of tuition reimbursement, they have paid vacation. They have 401k contributions coming from their employer. And so right there we have kids who, and, and companies, year one of this program, as you know, Sean, I had companies tell me, well, when are you going to have students for us? I said, well, it's the first year. You have to wait four years. Yeah. They're only in ninth grade. Yeah. Um, and so that's, so we have several kids right out of high school are doing that. Another third of the kids uh, have weighed their strategy and have said, you know, I'm going to go to Middlesex County, the county uh, college, mm-hmm. and get two years under my belt. All of our kids who are going to Middlesex County College also had a corresponding offer from NJIT. So many of them, if they want to pursue a four-year degree, will go have the option of going to NJIT. Mm-hmm. Um, I have other students that went directly to a four-year institution. They're going to Rutgers. In the areas, everything from bioengineering to, I, I hate to admit it, even child psychology. I don't say I hate to admit it. I want to talk about that. Child psychology, bioenvironmental engineering. We have uh, an electrical engineer slash computer science over at NJIT. We have some other kids this year looking at Stevens. Um, and the reason I, uh, I paused about uh, the one, one person who's looking at even child psychiatry, you know, Every field that our kids, your, the, the, our kids get into is going to have a technology component. Every field. You know, the data analytics is driving everything. We've got artificial intelligence on the horizon. We have automation. And so no matter what field they go into, I feel good because we've prepared them for technology. We've prepared them, prepared them with critical thinking skills on how to assess and improve any process, whether that process be in a uh, clinical or a hospital setting, a transactional setting such as a bank, service settings such as a coffee shop, to manufacturing settings, uh, you know, the uh, soap and uh, soap and shampoo company that uh, we, we deal with, uh, uh, Gilchrist and Solms, who has also provided paid internships to our seniors what an incredible experience our seniors are getting well let's let's just talk about that one for a second because i think that's a very good example of exactly what you were just saying about different interests and and abilities and, and maybe where they see their future uh you know i can kind of equate this for other people that if we talk about automotive technology uh, it's great to to under you know to go through almost four years of automotive learning and experiencing, and, and you can certainly be a technician and make a good living as a technician. But not everybody that goes through that program wants to be an automotive technician. And even mm-hmm. if you do, do I want to work on pretty much everyday cars, older cars, newer cars? Do I want to go to car right. dealership? Right. Do I want to do you know race cars? Do I want to do this car? You know anything like that? So there's a variety of ways. But also, you know, do I want? I do I see my career as a a parts person, or you know the mm-hmm. the shop manager or something like that? Or do I want to be the service writer? 
or the service manager or, you know, or be in charge of the car dealership. So understanding cars is all that. I equate that a lot of times to automotive technology. So students going through manufacturing, pre-engineering manufacturing, they come in to the program not necessarily thinking, yeah, I want to be that person who uh, is the technician on the floor or the high skill technician that's working robotics or pneumatics or hydraulics or something like that or you know coming up with the next level or or you know making sure this high-tech line and, and creating these unbelievable you know medical syringes and things like that not everybody is is drawn to exactly that one position or that one idea but maybe you know they want to work in more of the administrative structure and the office structure, but could be in that manufacturing field, but work in HR or work in something else that obviously knowledge of the process and, and lean concepts and everything else that's taught within this program are, are great information and, and as well as apply it to any other field you go into, whether it's healthcare or, you know, the service industry or, you know, hospitality or anything else like that. Um, so I know you've placed people in that company in the mentorships and they've gotten different experiences depending on their interests, correct? Right. That's right. We, you know, I, I strive, uh, to personalize the curriculum to each student. You know, as I see them develop, I may give them more of this. Uh, they still go through all the basics, but we have an opportunity to personalize it. And when we, put them out there in an apprenticeship. You know, I work with the employer and we, and the student to look at their skill set and their trajectory of where they're heading and try to give them, get them onto a project that, that makes sense for them. One that they can handle, that would be challenging, and one uh, that uh, they will feel the success in. Um, one such opportunity was with uh, a student named Will who is the quintessential mechatronics engineer. Uh, at Cisco, they have some lines running, uh, making soap, uh, and there's a fill and boxing component to it. The line runs at 750 units a minute, so they have to put things in slow-mo after they film it to even see what's going on. And Will was tasked, uh, first of all, we had other folks who did some data analysis while at Cisco, uh, Gilchrist and Soames, and identified some of the top problems. In comes Will to focus on one that's achievable. The one he focused on was the fact that sometimes on this line they would have a box where soap was not present. Soap mm. did not get into the box. And the last thing in the world is they, they, do, they, they don't want to see an empty box of soap go to a customer or a hotel chain. Just, just imagine the consequences uh, of a customer at a hotel uh, opening up a box of soap and it's not there. So he was tasked with trying to prevent this occurrence. Mm. What he did is he researched, he worked with the operations manager, he created a schematic, and went on to purchase the the, uh, the things he needed yeah. to build a laser inspection device wow. that would look at each box, again, traveling at 750 uh, <laughs> units a minute, make a yes-no decision on whether it is empty or not, and pneumatically have a pusher arm to push it off the line or blow it off the line. So this was accomplished within three weeks, uh, and wow. it, it the, the company was was just totally excited about this. So here on the one end of the spectrum, we had Will uh, doing a mechatronic system. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, we had two folks who used the Lean Six Sigma uh, 6S technique to organize their um, tool crib and parts crib because it was just it was it was a big mess and so they were able to organize it sort it straighten it out put policy in place and provide to that uh, you know employer uh, 
a nice, well-organized uh, shop, eliminating the, the need for, you know, walking around, uh, inability to find the right part at the right time, not able to inventory and provide uh, the right things uh, in, uh, for availability. So those are two ends of the spectrum of this apprenticeship, which was paid, paid as well. Uh-huh. And, uh, and as you know, our, 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 our seniors are able to leave the school at uh, approximately 1230, arrive, at the, arrive there at 1 o'clock at an employer and, and work uh, through the rest of their, their school day and uh, potentially beyond. Mm. And so that's some of the sick. Those are some two different uh, projects. That's and, great. You know what was accomplished. Wow! So they're, you're finding a lot of success. We're we're see the benefits of uh, really building a program like this um, to let you know and other people know that prior to this, uh, a lot of our placements that you know we've we've had. Um, I just had a conversation like this with somebody else too just earlier today. Um, we've we've had a lot of industry and representatives and regional employers come to us continually over the years and, and say, Hey, you know, we need a direct line to your graduates and we've got these job opportunities. We need to fill them. So manufacturing has been no stranger to us. Uh, and oftentimes we would take them out of that automotive class or things like that, or even HVAC in some cases and all that too, because they have the, the background in some of the subject areas, they have problem solving, they have the use of tools. Um, they have a good sense of, of how things work in many ways, but then they also got extra skills like in electrical or pneumatics or hydraulics or, or things like that uh, in order to make things work and then problem solving on that too. So now we got to the point where we can just create and develop this this program now and and we're a few years down the road in this program, we're seeing a lot of success of that. So obviously if they had this program uh, back in your high school back in the day, you probably would have been drawn to something like this or fascinated by it and, right. and probably into that and, and probably would have gone into industrial engineering as well, I would assume. But somehow you got there anyway. Uh, that's that's yeah. it's, it's fascinating. I think I could probably say the same thing about myself. But looking back now and, and, and where you were when you were in your, your high school age or even before eighth grade, ninth grade, and you're starting to contemplate careers – because uh, the last couple of questions I have for you is, is kind of comes full circle here in, in a way. Um, the one is, you know, what's most important about when, when students are contemplating their future and careers? And what's some of the significant advice or thoughts in your head that you could say, uh, you should do this, you should do that, you should think about this in a way, you know? Some people go, oh, don't worry about it, you'll figure out what you want to do years from now. But for those students that are really considering their next steps and where their life is going to go. You know, what, what do you, what comes to mind? Well, um, first of all, in, in their community, they probably don't realize that there's so many different clubs, organizations out there right in their own community, uh, where they could be rubbing elbows with professionals, people who are in these various fields. Uh, and so one would be to explore that, no matter what that organization, you know, may be, uh, uh, from uh, Sahali Club to the Knights of Columbus to to uh, uh, realtors. You know, there's professionals out there in your community in all different types of businesses, and they'd all be thrilled to talk to you about what they do, why they're doing it, and the benefits, and, and so on and so forth. So that's one thing. Look around in your community. They're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, get involved, and you can, you'll have many people you can speak with. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of this website that the government has called bls.gov, bls.gov. Yep. And on that website, uh, you're able to research different occupations, and you're able to uh, uh, get a quick uh, summary of what that occupation is about, uh, whether it's growing or uh, not growing uh, in job opportunities, what the salary is, uh, watch a little video, and even get into similar occupations. So if you haven't seen that under the student desk class, 
you'll see um, on this on BLS.gov. So that would be another thing to do is, as a reference point. Um, you know, certainly, Sean, mm-hmm. you know, I recall this now. I didn't come out in our conversation, but I certainly did a lot of assessment of different colleges' curriculum. Okay. And looked at their degree programs. So if you look at, if you're depending on being college-bound, look at different programs, not only in New Jersey, but throughout the country, to get a flavor of the different degree programs. Um, Right now, so many colleges and universities are offering blended degree programs. Mm. And they're really, really exciting. I've told the story where I was taking a tour at NJIT, and I asked the gal who was touring us, you know, what degree she's pursuing. She said, I'm getting a degree in, uh, in technical writing. I said, from NJIT, technical writing? She said, yeah, I take courses at Montclair State. I take courses at NJIT. Huh? Another student was taking courses at another college and coming to NJIT to look at their architecture, taking courses in their architecture department because she was getting a degree in urban development. So the opportunity to blend, to blend with what you as a student sees as your future, it is there, and colleges are more than willing to help personalize that curriculum for you. So you take a look at these colleges, look at these blended degree programs, and don't be afraid to look at uh, the technology degree programs as differentiated from engineering degree programs. Engineering is going to be a little more math and science, and there's so many. There's a plethora of technology degree programs. So go through, make your list, look at what's common, and, and get a sense of what's being offered out there. Uh, um, and so that's, those are some of my, the key things I would suggest for those who are college-bound. Good. Good. Okay. So uh, as we kind of wrap this up, there's one more major area that I just want to ask you about. um, And you can Mm -hmm. kind of weigh in on this one and give your advice. So the subject is teaching now in career and technical education, teaching, vocational teaching. Uh, As I stated previously, we get majority of our teachers that teach you subject areas directly out of the field. So you being an industrial engineer, we want to come in and teach pre-engineering manufacturing technology, and and, and that works out tremendously well. If we're looking for a welding teacher, there have to be a welder. Uh, You know, if we're looking for um, someone to teach healthcare and, and certified nursing assistant, they have to have that certification or be a registered nurse. So... It's not a traditional teaching route. It's not someone who goes and, and, and works in the area and says, yeah, I want to be a teacher, therefore I'm going to start in this area, I'm going to end up as that. Um, there is no teaching program for teaching welding uh, or anything like that. Your area is a little bit different only for the fact that it already requires a college de- degree to become an engineer. Uh, majority of our fields don't require that, and, and neither do we. So to become a CTE teacher, in many cases, you don't even need to have one year of college in order to become a teacher. Um, the certification process is is a little bit different and does require some classes, uh, and we could certainly help that. So I guess my point here is that oftentimes so we we find these people, and I can relate to your story, your your experience. Um, where you know these people, you know of these teachers, you might even be one of these people that says, you know, I could be a good teacher or that person could be a a good teacher. When you're sitting in a workshop with another professional and they're explaining it in a way that I am learning something that you go, wow, you're a really good teacher. So whether... It's something that goes off in our own heads as we're working out in the fields that go, maybe I'll think about becoming a teacher of some sort. Um, You know, whether you're that welder and go, I'd really like to teach welding someday. Or you're that person that looks at that mentor, that workshop leader and says, you would be a really good teacher. You know, how do you how do you now make that leap? What's your advice to people and even contemplating a leap from a professional career in the field? to a career of teaching and my biggest need for this is the fact that if we don't have a teacher we can't teach the program the students cannot learn so obtaining teachers is by far for me 
the most critical thing we can do for future generations. So this right. is the biggest thing in CTE. So what's your advice for people that, I don't know, maybe they have this inkling, maybe they don't, maybe they come across other people that do. What do you, what do you think about it in that subject area? Well, um, certainly the elephant in the room for many professionals is going to be the salary and the concern about mm -hmm. that. Um, I, I can tell you that I'm very pleased with the salary that, you know, uh, because I had a, you have is a step program, you have a master's degree, you probably earn a little bit more. And, you know, my salary is picking up pace. Uh, uh, certainly I had at least consider this, uh, as a single, um, breadwinner at this point. My mm -hmm. wife worked uh, earlier in the years. So, you know, the salary growth has been continual mm -hmm. and, uh, the benefits uh, uh, the health benefits have been great. So uh, uh, I think that's the first thing you have to be able to contend with right. in your head. And I think uh, in your heart is uh, the things that are calling you in your heart to teach people, to teach kids and to teach adults. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's there for a reason. You've, you've gotten all these skills of professionals, and, and now you have an opportunity to creatively provide and, and, and teach the next generation of students. Uh, it's an extremely exciting and extremely creative, much more creative than I gave it credit for when I was sitting out in the professional world. Um, when you are challenge to uh, creatively uh, working to, to reach all these individual learners as best you can. So it's, it is really a challenging field, but it is so, so rewarding. Um, the comments I get back from parents, uh, are just amazing. Uh, I would venture to say that many of you in the professional world don't get a little letter or a little note from somebody. <laughs> uh, I get them from the kids. It's it's just a, a very, uh, very encouraging atmosphere. You know, at first I had some reservations. What's the classroom going to be like? And what I'm finding is, is these kids are just thirsting for uh, to, for an identity, thirsting to, to, to learn and, and have a good career, and you could be the ones <clears throat> providing that, <clears throat> giving, excuse me, <clears throat> opening up that doorway for them. And, and so I think it's a time when you want to follow your heart a little bit more because you have the ability, you have the skill set, and if you uh, can appreciate what I'm telling you, that you'll find a lot of joy in, and satisfaction in this field and a lot of creativity. Uh, it, it, it's, it's an amazing draw. It's an amazing thing to be part of. Um, and so those are the things that I think I would, 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 uh, would advise them. Try it. Look, investigate. Investigate the uh, – the, um, the programs they have for you to uh, learn a little bit more about the teaching profession. Um, uh, they may seem, uh, you may, they may seem simple, but as you go through them, simple things like uh, assessing whether a student learned and how did you assess it? You know, this, this, this uh, is challenging and up to the teacher to uh, in, incorporate into their curriculum. So uh, those are some of the things that come to mind, Sean. Excellent. So the the last piece here is that, you know, if, if you look uh, back, uh, you know, a long, long time ago, so, you know, your high school days, your choice of college to what you've learned in college, your experience in there doing a kind of an apprenticeship, you know, and an experience there throughout your career in the manufacturing industrial area, um, all the jobs you've had in between getting your master's and all kinds of things along the way. Um, I'm willing to bet um, what it sounds like and what's come through in, in this interview uh, was that you pretty much apply everything that you've gotten along the way into what you're doing now. Would that be correct? 
Uh, absolutely. I, I, I work hard every day to try to make sure that my shop, the experience, the culture, represents the manufacturing world and represents a culture of continuous process improvement. And uh, it's, it's such a joy. I really get psyched up when kids present at a tech, tech expo, for example, in our school, the, the projects they've worked on, or when we collaboratively work with the community like Middlesex County uh, Improvement Authority to build a robot and so that, that can go around to the different uh, schools and teach kids about green technology. It is just such a rewarding uh, uh, role, uh, and, it, and, it is, and it is still uh, very much revered uh, uh, by parents. Uh, you know, they tell me all the time. They're so thankful when I give a call home, whether it's for good, uh, a good reason or for a little checkup. Um, it's it's just uh, an incredible experience. I think it's I think the professionals out there. I think you make the leap. You follow your heart and you give back because you are equipped to do so. Perfect, Steve Mercadante. Thank you so much for your time, your information. You're a fascinating man. We haven't even gotten off into many other areas of your fascinating life. You're uh, a well-trained and, and excellent musician in your own right. Um, you've have a lot of good things. You have a, a great family and, and a nice home and all the other good things that go with it. Today, we are specifically focused on your career, your pathway, the elements of change throughout there. And, and you've really, really come a long way. You're an excellent teacher. We appreciate every single day, all that you do and the experience that you bring into the classroom and building and giving opportunities to our younger generation to, to have them be successful. So, um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, your time, your information, and uh, everything that you do. Thank you so much, Sean, and thank you for your uh, constant uh, uh, challenging and support of, of the program and, and what we do there at the Middlesex County Votech. Appreciate it. Excellent. All right. All right. That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.